Welcome, welcome, everybody. Uh, I am very excited. I don't know if you can tell, although you know, I'm, I'm usually excited, but I'm most excited. This is stupid. Anyway, I am very excited to speak to our next guest, Sean Benson, uh, about all sorts of things. And those of you who know my program know that it encompasses my love for the acting craft, it encompasses my love for certain projects, and it encompasses my love for martial arts. Sean Benson has all of those three covered. So welcome to the program, Sean. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm honored to be here. It's a pleasure. It's it's uh, so much fun because again, it's being being a movie geek. Anytime I hear the last name Benson, a smile immediately comes to mind because of Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. And yeah, Officer Benson. Uh, it's the first thing that comes to mind. Maybe it's because I'm weird, but I that's immediately went there. And I don't know how many times you've watched the Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. I've lost count for myself. Zero. Should I be watching this movie? Oh my God, we need to stop recording and you need to watch Dirty we'll Rotten Scoundrels. Start it again tomorrow night after I watch? Sounds for me, it's the TV show, Benson. I grew up with the TV show, Benson. And that's the uh, with Robert Guillaume. That was a big hit in the 80s. So that's what people always confuse me with or called me. Well, now you have another one. Uh, and I came here in 1989, so I kind of missed that part. But okay. The Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, I watched. So uh, Steve Martin is in that movie. Uh, Kevin, excuse me, Kevin. I was going to say Kevin Klein, who's one of my favorite actors now. Uh, Michael Caine is in that movie. It is tremendously enjoyable film from just a pure fan experience. And from a acting perspective, it is. I'll check awesome. it out for sure. So, dirty rotten scoundrels. I'm gonna post it there. So, if anybody watching this has not watched that film, go watch it right after you watch this. Of course. So wait, I, I know this is your show, but where did you come from in 1989? In Ukraine, I oh, came nice. from the from the country that no longer exists. Uh, it's like the Atlantis. It was a country, and then it disappeared. It was the former Soviet Union. Yeah. Um, and then Ukraine, technically. So when I left, it was from the former Soviet, from the Soviet Union. When I, a few years later in the United States, I became from Ukraine. So it worked. Right on. <laughs> right on. Yeah. Um, and by the way, I'd, and I have to be very careful about saying this properly, I was going to welcome you to the 45 Club, but I don't want people to think that I meant in terms of the previous president of the United uh. States. <laughs> I, I, I meant that from the age perspective, you and I are in the same club. At least I am in it for the next uh, few months, and then I'll, I'll be in the Club 46. I appreciate it. I think someone's got my Wikipedia wrong because I'm actually 46. I'm, I'm a few notches uh, months ahead. I just turned 46. Okay, got it. So January 16th, I think, was your birthday, right? That's right, yeah. Okay, so yeah, they, they did have you as... 45 uh just they got my weight wrong too so there you go whoever <laughs> chipped in on that one yeah uh sounds good then we're you're you're three you're uh, three months ahead of me i'll be joining your club <laughs> shortly then both of us are in the right club 46 yes yeah. they said yeah. it those people who are watching um anyway uh going going back to to some of your projects as we get into the acting part of it um I saw you on the boys, which uh, mm -hmm. which was a show I enjoyed tremendously. Yeah. Uh, it's a show I'm um, presuming a number of people know you uh, through, and uh, and like your work as as Ezekiel. Although I'm not sure if they like Ezekiel, but they certainly ah. like <laughs> as Ezekiel. Um, what was that project like? I know some of the people who love the boys are going to be watching this, so tell us about that experience. Well, right on to anybody who is watching from the boys fandom. It's so much appreciated, and yeah, I mean, I was. 
Look, I've done a lot of work over 20 years. And when you're on something like a soap opera or something like that, you know, you get stopped in malls and, and it's, I actually love it because, you know, it's not so much that it's an issue and it's nice to know people dig your stuff. The thing yeah. that blew me away with the boys was that I had to cut my hair for a project right after and would still get stopped, uh, you know, in Toronto. And it was always at the coolest spots, like the like underground record stores or whatever. And people would be like, dude, yeah. dude, dude, you're Ezekiel, right? And they'd almost say it like I was hiding because I didn't have the same hair. So then they were going to be cool about it. And I got, you know, again, being noticed when you look exactly like the doctor you're playing is cool. But there was yeah. an extra layer to it that I really enjoyed. Um, in terms of the part itself, I mean, forget it. Like, you know, I, I was in season one and no one really yeah. had a concept of what that was going to be. Of course, yeah. there was the graphic novel, but that's always a bit of a danger is that the fans have a preconceived idea. It's not a wrong idea because you've got a source material. Um, I don't know what to say. I mean, I was in there really early on because of the we shot the scenes uh, in the club where I'm in, in the first episode and they mm -hmm. just point to who I am so they can blackmail me later. And uh, it's one of those things where I, I looked around and I went, oh, shit, no, this is legit. Like, this is legit. And anytime you're doing something for Amazon, you know, it's probably going to be yeah. have scale to it. But the legit wasn't about the money being thrown at it. Um, it was about, you know, Eric Kripke and and the showrunners having such a clear understanding of what they're doing. Um, and then by the time we got into that fifth ep, which had the real meat of Ezekiel. Um, I mean, look, I didn't get into this because I don't like performing. I know some actors who are introverts are way more talented than me. And, and there's something they get from performing that they don't get from being in a crowd. But me, when I'm up on stage and there's seven cameras and there's drones and there's 500 extras and the way we were mic'd, normally when you're shooting between extras uh, or not even just extras, but when you're back and forth, you don't overlap. Uh, yeah. But they were just like, guys, do it all, play all this stuff for real. And it is what it, I mean, you're actually doing it at that point. Yeah. You're actually doing it. And then, uh, yeah. And then the rest of my stuff was basically with, with Tony and with Jack and yeah. They're just awesome. Like, they're fucking awesome guys. And, uh, you know, that really is what it comes down to is when you're when you're across the camera from somebody, mm -hmm. are they bringing it? Are you bringing it? Yeah. You know, action to cut is all that matters. Uh, you could you don't want to be a jerk, but you could be a jerk if your action to cuts awesome. The flip yeah. side is those guys are just so genuine and great. And we just played every take. So I don't know what to say. I mean, the success of the show has been great. It gives me a little bump. And like I said, you know, the the hey aren't you the guy from um yeah. but really it's just about those shoot days wow uh it's 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 such a you know the show is great i love it as a fan uh but from an acting perspective everybody is just really 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 freaking good oh it's and nuts it's nuts um uh, the canadians who are on the show i know probably 90 percent of them but even um jordana who plays cherry i think um Frenchie's girlfriend. I was watching her on the show. I didn't know her. And I was like, she's so good in this mm -hmm. role. And then I'm directing a little thing and I was doing a script read through and I was like, Hey, you know, we we're mutuals online because you know, Hey, how are you? Um, and I couldn't believe how good an actor she was, you know, cause it's one thing when you're on set, you got the look, there's editing and music, but I'm sort of directing her and this other actor, Christian Brune, and uh, who you might know from orphan black and all that stuff that he does. Mm -hmm. And, I'm blown away by the talent and I'm like, right, that's what this show does is they get people who are this good. You get mm -hmm. to be that role, but then you also 
you get to breathe into what the role is. Yeah, it's it just looked like a really really cool set uh, and an environment to be in. And um, again, it's 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 a show that keeps you guessing that uh, that I really look forward to watching and seeing what they're going to do with season three of it. My yeah. goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in some of your other things, and, and you mentioned that again, you you've been on uh, on soaps and you've done yep. uh, that stuff, right? So yep. um, you know some of that was early on in your career as as you got going. Now, what was that like in terms of just having that exposure and that type of an audience that is so used to having the show really become a big part of their life, and now you're one of the actors in it? What was that like of just interacting with uh, with the public? Well, that was an interesting one because I'd been on, so the first show I did in Toronto, and it was my first ever TV part, was a lead on a lawyer show that we did for two seasons called The Associates. And mm -hmm. um, so I did get exposure, you know, I literally went from doing theater to being on billboards and yeah. being like, you know, driven to do the nighttime talk show circuit and all that. Now, I was 25 at the time, so I wasn't like 18 or, you know, but at the same time, it was, holy crap, this is really happening. Um, and so then that, I was followed by another lead in another TV series. So by the time I got to LA and booked the general hospital, I had a pretty yeah. relaxed, it, there's two things going on. I had a relaxed sense of what walking on set and just yeah. doing the thing is, you know, when I'm doing the gallery shoot for it, they're like, we don't know you cause all my work had been Canadian or the one us show I did wasn't on a major network. And yeah. back then there weren't a lot of networks off of NBC, ABC or, um, CBS and so they're like you're really comfortable in front of the camera I'm like well you know that's one of the benefits we get by being a Canadian star is you go mm -hmm. down there having shot 50 or 70 episodes of TV and they don't know you yet and they're wondering why you're and I'll just say it like so good and Canadian actors tend to be good because we have to do commercials we have to do theater we have to do the smaller parts as you're making your way up mm -hmm. um, there's less of a star system so you know, yeah. by the time you're getting noticed by Americans, you've got some real time in. Um, yeah. So then I remember what happened was I got cast in the role. And that day I was at the Beverly Center in in Los Angeles. Uh, and a woman comes up to me and goes, oh, no, 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 no. And I, I had no, I was like, what? I, I, and she goes, there's no goddamn way you're taking Sonny away from Carly and walks away like mad at me. Wow. Because they had announced that morning that I was the new guy who was going to this. Now, I didn't I hadn't done that work yet. Like, I didn't know who these people were. I didn't know who Carly was. I, I screen tested with her. But uh, I went, oh, this is going to be different. Yeah. And, and remember, this is 2000. Oh, I don't know. I think it's 2004. So to you younger viewers out there, there's no Instagram. There's no Facebook. There's no MySpace. So the only way you know what fans are thinking is through actual fan mail. Or uh, there was a message board on the ABC site, and it was like you could. Be, I mean, it was not quite green flashing on black screen, but just a notch beyond that. And um, yeah, it was pretty intense to realize that a because the soaps five days a week, right? So yeah. think about how attached people get to their weekly characters. And you know, today with every show being like ten episodes, in ten episodes, people get pretty attached. Well, imagine five a week. I mean, the investment these people had. And then the good news for me was when I would be out at the bar and I'd realize that like, you know, models who slept until 2 p.m. were waking up and flicking on General Hospital. And that was sort of playing in my favor at that age out doing that thing. And I was yeah. like, oh, shit, this is um, 
this is good. Yeah. I like it. I didn't get into this. Cause, like I said, I mean, when I was a kid and I was on stage hosting or, you know, doing a music show, like I, there was always some element of performance and art in my life. But to me, the relationship with the audience was always the completion of it. Yeah. You know, um, not that I don't like I got guitars and drums in my basement and I do that for myself. But there's still a point where you go, hey, I wouldn't mind recording this and putting it out just to keep the feedback loop. So it's, you know, art on its own is great. Art with the audience loop to me is where it really lives. I agree. Uh, it, it's funny you mentioned it in terms of, you know, kind of the Americans not knowing Canadians. Uh, Suju uh, Varighese, who I think yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, mentioned that, you know, being in a Canadian actor is like being in a witness protection program, ah. that, which is, is funny and sad all at the same time. And the, from a U.S. perspective, you know, we think we know so many Canadian actors, but we know them because they're here. You know, they're, yeah. they're you know, Rhino Reynolds and they're shooting stuff that's here. That's right. And, uh, and in Canada, until, you know, uh, Netflix came out, until all these streaming services are out there. Like uh, Kim's uh, Kim's Convenience, I did yeah. not know about Kim's Convenience until my daughter introduced me to it on Netflix. Well, and obviously, did... why would somebody? I mean, these are these are awesome shows, and we do have that amazing comedic tradition through, you know, SCTV and all that stuff up here. Um, yep. And even laughing, like I think Rowan and Martin, I think one of the fellows was Canadian, and all that kind of thing. Like it, we we have that great comedy root, and. Um, but you're right, like until somebody goes and makes it there. And it's an interesting thing, you know, I remember shooting a movie in France about eight years ago and there were people whose names I'd never heard, like not the Vincent Cassell and not the yeah. Gerard Depardieu or Marianne yeah. Cotillard, um, meaning they hadn't been in a crossover movie or at the time like a Miramax Weinstein, you know, chocolat kind of thing. So mm -hmm. I'm realizing that I'm hanging out with full blown movie stars. And I mean, you know, basically millionaire actors who, when we're hanging out at the bar, they have to be velvet roped off because otherwise it's too much. And nobody will ever hear of them outside of France. Yeah. And I actually sometimes get sad that we don't have that here. Uh, I mean, I go between LA and, and Toronto, but generally speaking, I prefer Toronto because of seasons, uh, because the city's, uh, you know, just more industry town. Um, mm -hmm that kind of thing. I mean, LA is brilliant. I call LA my mistress, um, but my wife would be Toronto. And in that sense, it'd be nice if you could have that here. But the reason we can is because of the language, because in France, they have the wall of the language. Yep. And so they get Belgium and Quebec. And here we're always going to be the younger brother of the English language machine. And I love the machine, by the way. I don't say this as like a fuck the machine. I used to until I realized how much the machine uh, not only wants to pay me to act, but also yeah. wants to create work that then I'm gonna go watch on Netflix or mm -hmm. Amazon or whatever tonight. Like I grew up loving the machine. And aside from my like six year hippie phase, uh, you know, <laughs> it's it's a good machine. It is, and uh, it, that's another thing, you know, I was looking through IMDb Pro and I'm thinking how, is it that you were not on an episode of Suits? Uh, did I miss it or? No, 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 it's interesting. I um, early on was up for a couple roles and we've diverged a bit more, but I, I made my career playing a younger version of Harvey Specter. Pretty much, um, yeah. Yeah, my first three years was just that guy on Law Series, mm -hmm. that cocky, got the answer, and then has to eat shit 
every third episode for a mistake he makes through his cockiness. Uh, I love Gabrielle Mock's work on that, by the way. I remember watching the first season going, oh, shit. He's doing what I got to do and way better. So there was a little bit of like, hey, he's a little close to Gabriel for him to do this. Yeah. And then there was a British recurring guy on one of the seasons. And yeah. that one I, I remember they talked to me about, but it just didn't, they went with the other guy basically. Um, and that was kind of it. You know, it's sometimes that happens. Now on that show, I wasn't as close to anything like that, but sometimes you'll be screen testing for the lead role. And when you don't get it, the other guy they gave it to is your height, your look, your vibe. And it actually becomes almost tougher to put you in as a guest lead uh, than if it's just a totally random thing. So, no, it's funny you say that because I remember, I kept, how am I not on the show? Right. There's another guy basically playing you, vice versa. So it's a tough match. It is. It's, uh, but again, another one of my favorite shows. It used to be, show, like, you know, The West Wing was my number one uh, drama. Oh, it still yeah. is. Suits was two. Then Billions came out, and yep. Billions yep. became two. And Suits is three. So I love so Suits. I my love only it. issue with Billions and Suits, and it's funny you mention them, is the same issue I had with Arrow. Um, because when Arrow came out, I was just like, oh, fuck, this is way better than it has any right to be. And yep. then, as we know, it spawned that CW multiverse rebirth of that thing. Um, mm -hmm. And I, after about three or four seasons of all those shows, went rats. By being this successful and having fundamentally 22 ep seasons, they're looping. And there's only so many seasons where we can worry if Mike's going to get busted or not. There's only so many seasons where the arrow has a reason why he's not killing people. Mm -hmm. um, and so I love these shows, you know, especially with Billions, like we shuffle the deck and is Axe this or that. It's, it's, it, it's like, damn, it's too bad because you can't sustain it indefinitely. And the first time I remember seeing this was Remington Steel. And again, I'm not sure the demo of your viewers, but Remington Steel, if you don't know this show, is why we know who Pierce Brosnan in is. It's one of the best shows ever made. But there was a point around at, uh, season four, five, six, where the will they won't they of him and Laurel Hole, the him being discovered by keys the guy who was tracking them like it just gets too looped and that's why again i think there is there is a runway and then the runway ends and it should stop right there so yeah. and yeah. whether three seasons or four seasons but it's somewhere in the there that i think you're done and that's okay you yeah know. so yeah i but yeah. I, I'm I'm with you. Uh, we'll we'll see if it happens with uh, with billions because they're still they still have ways, but they've already flipped a number of ways. So we'll see what happens next. Uh, yeah. um, I have I have a number of uh, folks that I talk to that are on billions, and uh, it's still they from a acting perspective. Oh my god, from an acting perspective, it's like I'm Fantastic. I'm just watching. It's phenomenal. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, in terms of your careers, and, and uh, you talk about this, so you know, I, I hope that uh, you're able to share as well. But you're very open about your struggles and kind of having yeah. two careers and two you know phases of your careers. Absolutely. Um, when, and I, I really like when you said that. Hey, listen, even in my best uh, kind of busiest years, I'm shooting for a hundred days, right. and then you have a lot of free time, and. I, I like to say this way that you're either creative or destructive. So, um, and unfortunately, a lot of actors uh, kind of uh, fall into that if they don't have a life outside or if they're 
only kind of value is on uh, creative expression and that only one outlet of creative expression is uh, film or TV or, you know, any kind yep. of acting. Yep. So for you, uh, given, you know, some of the areas that, uh, that you had in terms of struggles in your life, was it because of that or were there other reasons that uh, you started? No, career? that's a great question. And yeah, to, to the people listening and watching, you know, I've been sober 13 years and around that time on General Hospital, I really crashed and burned. I mean, I, I was going to set after not sleeping for five days. I was, you know, doing all the drugs, all the ways, you know, whatever you can imagine was happening. Um, and that wasn't out of the blue. That wasn't a one time, hey, I'm in LA. If, I'm on a show like that had begun in Toronto that went with me to Vancouver that went with me to LA. And then I would do what a sober folks call like a geographic or, you know, you change people, places and things. And you're like, I'm going to join the new gym. I'm going to move to the new city. Yeah. And yeah. there are people for whom that can work. You know, um, it wasn't my case. And that's what was so frustrating about it was that you do, you're doing all the right stuff, but to answer your question, no. Right. So, the, okay, I'm going to go a little tangential here, but, um, you know, there was one year where I was, you know, doing my karate, doing my jujitsu, training for a triathlon, and I was out cycling with my brother, and I was, like, looking at the guys in our cycling group, and I was like, don't you just wish you just cycled and did nothing else? Mm. And the thing is, is that it'd be so nice to just have your great bike, and that's all you do. And my brother, who's also a triathlete, he's like, oh, are you fucking can tell me about it, man. Like, Anytime I'm biking, I should be swimming. Anytime I'm swimming, I should be running, et cetera. And the reason I mention that is ever since I was a kid, I've been so like dynamically interested in so many things. And so mm -hmm. when I was at high school, I would run from our trivia, like literal trivia team that would be on TV competing over to be captain of the volleyball team, then go to badminton practice, then go to my private band practice. Next morning would be actual band rehearsal. And then I'd go to my ballet classes after that day and I'd be on council. Like, and all of those were so authentically me. And, yeah. you know, I went to university for a science degree and uh, I'd my go idea. to the biochem lab and then I would go do my play at night and both were, were me. And so I had all the stimulation a guy could ask for. Um, you know, there was no lack of friends, gals, um, stuff to do. And stuff I was relatively good at. That's why I believe so fully in addiction versus um, what would you call it? Like an actual genetic biochemical thing. And the best way I can put it is I did a fair amount of heroin. And one day I just went, I don't think this is for me. And I'm talking more than enough to be hooked. Like, I don't know, nine months worth of heroin. And, and then one day I just stopped because I didn't want to do it anymore. And it was the worst week of fucking, like it felt like a drill was going in and out of my head. I dripped sweat. I just lay there shaking, but no part of me said, go get more heroin. But with cocaine, there was nothing I could do short of 12 step to get out of that loop and many, many tries. And that's why I believe in this, which is just the compliment. My body said heroin, eh, whatever, sure. But cocaine, yes, yes. Like you will give up everything for this little baggie of powder. So it's funny, again, I'm, I'm going on and on, but I think it's a big question. When I was studying Meisner at Playhouse West in Los Angeles, uh, Scott Kahn was a student there, and then James Kahn came in to talk to us. And um, I remember asking him, I put up my hand, I was like, you know, fan of your work, like, holy shit. He said, and I wasn't really, <laughs> like I was just starting the worst part of my 
eventual crash. And I was like, can you talk about hurting yourself as an actor when you're not like, and he goes, I'm going to stop right there. I know exactly what you're asking. He goes, look, when, when you like me, were number one in the world for a moment. There's mm -hmm. nowhere to go but down. And if the only thing in your life is your career, then you're only hurting yourself. And it's mm -hmm. exactly what you said. But for me, brother, it was just straight up addiction. There are friends who partied with me, went home at 7 a.m. just like me, and then didn't have to do it the next night or the mm -hmm. next year. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it's, you know, the journey all brings us to where we are. Uh, it cost me a lot. Like when I talk about two careers again for your, your your listeners and viewers, I really was doing this ascendant trajectory of everything I wanted. Got the gig, got the next gig with more money, got the next gig with more uh, prestige, and then it just stopped. And I had an almost five year gap. And uh, part of me had to really process the self pity of you fucking blew it. And the other part of me just went, Hey man, you did what you did. Now let's get on with it. And maybe you won't get another crack at this. You know, and then 50 parts later since getting sober, um, I'm like, OK, you know, you might have missed full movie star and Brad Pittum. You might never had that, but you're good. It, it worked out. You're just fine. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, good for you. Again, nice it's, uh, uh, you know, a lot of people go down that hole and don't come out of it. So the fact oh. is, is speaking volume. So good for you. Yeah. Um, one more thing on this particular topic before we dive off. If somebody is kind of there now, or they feel like they're there now, what advice would you give to them to help them get out of it? Great question. Um, the, the first thing is there's not a lot of advice that they will listen to until they're ready. Mm -hmm. um, but the advice that might ring in their ear for when they are is all the help is waiting. You just got to find it. For me, it involved 12-step and therapy and just getting honest with my friends. Um, also, if you're actually going through this, you're not as much of a piece of shit as you think. You're worth a better life. Um, and you might find that it's not as fun as you think. I don't know. The one thing I do got to say is it was fun till it wasn't. Um, but once it wasn't, the ride... I thought I was bungee jumping, but it turns out I was free falling. Um, so anyways, just... Yeah, it's uh, the other side's pretty good, is what I would say to those people. Very cool. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. So um, you've mentioned that you know maybe you missed out on that you know movie stardom and uh, kind of being the Brad Kit, Brad Kit, Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt and the the leading man role. Um, do you regret uh, that if you had uh, not missed those five years? Do you regret not getting to that point or you like the career that you've had uh, since then? Both, both. I fully mm -hmm. love my life and my career. Uh, and I absolutely regret a lot of those choices. Um, mm -hmm. And I think both are, are happily true. You know, it's funny, you you asked the question and, and I answered in one way and, and we got onto the addiction stuff, which I think is really important, but mm -hmm. going back to it, Aside from that, like forget addiction, it's mm -hmm. so important to have a full life outside of the work. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing that I got through having to find what for me was a rock bottom, what for me was five years of no real acting. I couldn't validate myself the way I had once validated myself. The Porsche went away, the girls went away, the money went away, the billboards went away, it all went away. 
And I had to find out who I was without that. Now, the reason I say all that is that, you know, I teach acting in Toronto. And one of the things I tell the students is like, when you don't get the part, it should also be kind of good news because there's something else you get to do with the time. And I'll tell you a story. Today, I was supposed to go on a plane on Friday to France to shoot a film with Alexandre Lamy. And I was so excited for this. And I just found out that with the new lockdowns in France and visas, it's not on hold. It's gone. It's gone. And my first thought when I read that email, I kind of had a heads up yesterday that that could happen. I read it. And my first thought was, that's awesome. I get to spend Valentine's with my lady and I get to start doing jits again next week. Real thought. And then my girlfriend's like, you all right? I said, oh, I'll have a crash in two days. I'll wake up self-pitying in two days. But for right now, I'm kind of excited about all the stuff I get to do now because I was going to have to quarantine for a week, shoot for a week, quarantine for two weeks. And that's kind of the thing for me is like, I learned that through the crash. So what I mean by that is I utterly regret it. But if you were to ask me on paper, I think regret's a waste of time, but I do have them. I just end up wasting time through self-pity and regret. But I love the career I've had. And the other thing that my brother nicely reminds me of is how many people who did a Canadian series and a soap opera uh, are Brad Pitt? Like um, your, your self-pity comes from judging yourself against the most idealistically perfect you know, thing. And again, I don't want to be Brad Pitt. I want to be me in his career. Um, so it's like, yeah, that could have happened, but that's the like one in a billion where you're yeah. living is fucking one in a 10 million. So you're good, man. And and it's nice to have family and friends who I can be like, I feel loaded. I feel self-pity today. And that's another thing I say is like, Get yourself a crew. Get yourself a crew and probably not guys or girls who all look like you are your same age and are auditioning for the same parts. Because when you book the part, they'll be a little jealous. And when you don't book the part, they'll have a little schadenfreude. Like, have your crew who have nothing to do with this fucking industry. Yeah, always a good thing. And uh, yeah. I, I like, you know, even Meryl, uh, Meryl Street, she says, look, I, you know, I do this and they go away. And then I go away and I live on my, you know, wherever is Montana or somewhere else that she knows, and just lead a normal life and then come back in, do a movie and then go away. Yep. So I think it's it's a better way of doing it, um, yeah. which leads to uh, to martial arts. And then we'll come back yeah. to my, I want great, to talk great, about. Great. Um, you know, you're, are you still, again, a fifth uh, fifth uh, degree black belt in in karate or yep. in a one Okay, when are you testing for your sixth one, or what's the process? Uh, it doesn't really work quite that way at a certain point. So fifth degree is a master's rank, and then, like, I have a club I run in Toronto, and then I'm always allied with my teachers who are about an hour away and two hours away, who I started mm-hmm. with, like, 28 years ago. Um, never lost touch with it. I used to teach in Los Angeles. And then uh, you want to you talk about regrets. One of my regrets is that I didn't find jiu-jitsu earlier when I was in L.A., because two years ago when I was living there for half a year, I trained with Jean-Jacques Machado the whole time I was there. And uh, at that point I was a blue belt and still am. In terms of the sixth degree, honestly, one day my master's gonna just be like, hey, make sure you're at the Christmas party or make sure you're whatever. There isn't a single thing to do. Um, the jujitsu's a bit the same actually. Uh, karate along the, the younger belts and even the first couple black belts, there is more testing. Uh, but I mean, jujitsu. I remember the guy just says, you, you going to be here tomorrow? I was like, yeah. And then he just hands me a blue belt. 
And it made sense, right? Because I was in my Toronto club. I had sprained my MCL. So I go to LA a week later, never rolled in my blue belt. I'm at Machado's club in Tarzana. And yeah, the best white belts were trouble. The new blue belts and I would grind it out. So I knew I was in the exact place I should be. Um, And it was literally just some dude going, here, you're ready. And uh, I kind of, I I like both. I like the super intense testing. You're going to have to do all your kata. You're going to have to fight 28 people. You're going to have to do all the push-ups, do the 10-page essay, do the history. I also kind of like the, hey, dude, here's your belt. It's a symbol of where you're at within the crew. Yeah, that's how I got my black belt, and I still don't think I deserve it for that particular Ah. reason. They didn't have to test for it. What are you doing? What art? Um, well, this this was a little uh, before, but it's what is it called? The uh, Wuka World. Uh, I'm I'm looking up uh, at at my at my wall. It's a World uh, Combat Arts uh, Association or something like right that. Right on. So a one of the you know uh, teachers came in. My teacher was there. We had kind of a workshop. I was I, I was I think I was a brown belt before that okay. or something. Like that. And then, um, you know, at the end, he basically said, okay, now you're a black. I'm like, what? I don't re- what? I don't know if I deserve this. So I have this, like, every time I put it on and I have my name in gold letters, there's a part of me that grew up watching Van Damme and Jackie oh, yes. and and Bruce Lee and said, yeah, I have my black belt now. The other part of me says, I don't know if I deserve it. <laughs> so yeah. that's, that's where I am. Yeah, Are you but- still training? Are you still doing it? Uh, so I stopped training at a point where we were doing, uh, knife drills. It's again, mm-hmm. so the, the teacher who I worked with, he, uh, Russian guy, he trained, uh, Russian, uh, you know, Spetsnaz, special forces guys. So he has his own kind of, you know, mixed bag of all sorts mm-hmm. of things, yep. uh, which is a mix of, uh, Jeet Kune Do, Hapkido, you know, Sambo, uh, and a lot of kind of, uh, hand-to-hand combat. And we were, we were doing knife uh, knife drills and we were doing sparring and it was not you know this the flappy rubber knife it was a hard rubber knife mm-hmm. and we were wearing you know protection gear what we were not wearing which he changed right after that were goggles Shit. and uh you know a guy was i was sparring against which <clears throat> i always hated sparring because the way that i'm taught is if there is a, a situation in which i'm actually going to do something I'm going to break your knee or I'm going to break your arm. So I kind of, you know, I'm, I'm doing things gently and then other guys yeah. are not doing as gently. Yeah. I get pissed off because they're not as gentle. I could yeah. never kind of find that, that it's way. It's a whole language. Sparring is a whole language. You have to find the common dialogue and dialect uh, yeah. to be able to trust people with it. And I, I did not at that point. And then, yeah. you know, doing that, doing that drill, uh, I miss something. He goes in, you know, I, I think I parry. And then uh, that moment when you realize, like, ooh, did I just lose my left eye? Uh, I don't know. And I kind of opened up my eye, and I can still see out of it. said, okay, that worked. Thank God. And then I look at myself in the mirror, and, like, you can't see it anymore, but, you know, where my eyes? Like, right below here, there is a scar, and there is. Okay. uh, And I said, you know what? At that point, I'm like, I don't know, 38 or something. I said, you know what? Why am I doing this? <laughs> and and that, was, that was it. 
then I did you know Tai Chi and I kind of started doing more of that stuff because I'm much more in the softer styles. Uh, and now my son, I got him into a you know, a Jeet Kune Do, uh, school with uh, Eskrima and uh, Silat and all sorts of uh, fun stuff. Uh, and now I, I want to do it again. But I basically will go okay, and I'm going to do it. You will not regret it. You will not regret I, it. I'm like, I'm not going to have any sparring. I'm just doing this for me. I'm just doing this because I love the art. I've learned long ago, there are, in martial arts, there are fighters. And then there are people who love the art. I am definitely the person who loves the art. I, I'm not the fighter. And I yeah. know that to be true because when like the fighters come in and you stand against them and you look at them in the eyes and you just want to bow and go in. Right. Uh, so I'm definitely not that guy. So it's if I have to know, it's good to know. Yeah. So always loved martial arts, you know, yeah. kind of started with judo, you know, did karate, did some other stuff and then went this, but it's, it's kind of that part where I've had martial artists on, I've had actors who are martial artists on. Uh, it's it's will be a part of my life forever. I just right know on. that. It's, it, I know where I am and where I'm not going to go. Yeah, I can't get enough of it. I mean, it's it's all I, aside from like mountain biking and a bit of working out, like uh, it's all I want to do. And uh, today I was at the gym, like I have a key to the basement of the closed gym and, um, mm. you know, I can't. I'm not doing anything, but we had these uh, bubbles when we had, uh, so in Ontario, which again, for the US viewers, Ontario is like a state, it's a province. Yeah. And we went from five to 10 bursts and bubbles. And because I was living with two people at the time, the only way to make uh, it work was for us each to add one person. And the only person, I mean, of all my friends, of all my family, I called a buddy who I've met maybe five times in my life. But I was like, hey, Luke, he's an actor, by the way, he's incredible. Uh, and I was like, look, uh, you, you want to do this? You want to bubble up? Like, you want to? And he goes, yeah. Like, yeah, I've been dying to figure out who I can do this with. So we've been meeting three to five days a week, rolling our fucking asses off. Um, yeah, it is it is what it is, man. It's And the injuries come for sure. I've had a lot yeah. of stuff because, you know, I am on the fighter side and I want to, you know, I'm not worried if I get a nose broken or, you know, I done the syringe in my ear where I'm pulling the blood out. And uh, I don't care if it happens in between a job. Um, you know, if if my next 10 rolls are with a broken nose, who gives a shit? That's how that guy looks. I just yeah. can't do it in between shoots. And Luke yeah. right now, he's on uh, he's on C, the, uh, the Apple TV show. And uh, so <laughs> literally the reason we're only rolling again February 11th is because he has to shoot the 10th. I got you. Yeah, it's it's a fun uh, it's a fun thing, and uh, yeah. my my son is finally into it. Uh, you know, the two years of taekwondo that he did, he was not into it, so he didn't want to do martial arts after that. I finally got him into this because he started. Uh, you know, it's that age, eleven years old, and he's starting to get some bullies. And uh, sure. I'm like, okay, you're going back to martial arts, but you're going yeah. to. No offense to taekwondo, I love it. I love kicks. You know, Jean Claude Van Damme is how I started. But uh, in terms of, you know, real applications of what he wants to do, that's that's where I'm kind of putting him. So God forbid he ever has to use it. He at least yeah. knows what. Yeah. So, anyway, yeah. Um, back to Meisner. So yeah. Meisner, when, when I heard you talk about Meisner, for me, Meisner was when the light bulb went off. Because highly 100%. intellectual, in my head, like, you know, I hear all the time, I heard all the time of, 
you need to be grounded, you need to be in it, you you know, you need to be the character. Like, great, I understand all of that. But until I did Meisner, I wasn't able to get out of my head. Then I started doing Meisner and viewpoints. I'm like, oh my God, this is what it's like. Okay, much more fun this way. And I, I heard you talk about it, and it seemed to be that same kind of progression. 100%, you're describing my experience. And I found Meisner after doing two years of theater school, like 10, 15 plays, including lead roles, lead roles mm -hmm. on two TV series, shooting blockbuster films, and never understood why I was brilliant one night and decent the next. Or mm -hmm. uh, in the TV world, I mean, with the, with the theater, you get enough rehearsal that you're never gonna be shit if the thing's kind of up and running. In the TV world, could literally shoot a scene one day that was like producers are going, "Holy fuck, we got the next whoever here!" And then the next day, they're like, "What? What? Where'd that guy go?" And this was pre-drinking and drugging. So, until I hit Meisner, I didn't understand. Well, I was going to say how to create character, but that there is no character, you know. Uh, so what would happen is on those random great days. What happened was something about the coffee and the craft table and the person I was working with made me show up. Uh, you show up with adjustments. And again, for your viewers, like character adjustments exist. I put on the accent, I do the, I, I wear the outfit. Uh, the internal motor can even slow down or speed up, but it's me, it's all me. And that's where it gets beautifully, like I always say Meisner's method with a small M, which it is, um, but I actually think it's the method, and the reason is because there's no leaving the moment when you're in that juice. So I found that around age 28, and I'll be dead honest, I, I mean, I haven't always done incredible work, but I've never done bad work since I found that. And for me, it was night one. Like, I'm talking night one. This woman named Sandy Marshall in Los Angeles, who I still just had such a fabulous experience with start to finish. She, I think I audited a class and then she goes, you wanna get up there? You know, I had a resume. I'm like, so I just get to describe what's in front of me and repeat and I switch it if I act. And it was just like everything that I thought acting was, it was useless shed and then combined because of going to theater school for, I mean, our classical repertory training program was eight hours a day five days a week in first year, six days a week in second year, and that's without enough time to do your assignments. You're living, breathing it, everybody's getting divorced, quitting their job, leaving their partner, like you're just doing the thing. But I just got worse, kind of, because here's the thing, within, I dropped out, I was like, I don't, I'm, yeah, this isn't working for me. And uh, within weeks, I was in plays in Toronto, and within months, I was lead role in main stage projects in Toronto and getting good reviews. And I'm not saying that to pat myself on the back. I'm saying it that the place that wasn't teaching me well that I had to leave obviously did teach me a lot of good stuff. But it mm -hmm. was a frustrating journey for the next five years. Mm -hmm. And it was when I found the Meisner that everything just, the veil cleared. And when I get auditions now, I'm just like, fuck yeah, I cannot wait to just go be this thing. And when I uh, work with people who are stressed at auditions, it, I'm sort of like a broken record, but it's let's pare back. Let's get rid of your choices. You're you're worried about your choices and your inability to execute them. You don't have to execute fucking anything. Just be you. Just be you. Do the thing. Uh, yeah, it's it it took. It's like I, I always look at the actor's life as a wheel, and we start off and we're great, 
and then we start putting shit on and yep. all of the other people's opinions of what you should be like and all of the choices and everything else. And then you finally come back to yourself and you're like, okay, that was a journey. Now I can actually act. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. I think that's uh, right. I think, and I think we all find it in our own way, you know, and um, some people will find it not through that. I know some actors who will go, okay, I'm going to touch this book on this line and then I'm going to sip the cup on that one. And when I was younger, I might have judged that as not being in the moment. But the more time I've spent with other actors, the more I go, that person's fucking amazing. And them figuring out where to do those things is actually giving themselves permission once the camera starts. Because that's the thing, right? Is And especially with Meisner, because it's come so in vogue in the last decade. Like when I started Meisner, no one I knew had heard of it or was doing it. And by the time I came back to Toronto in 2010 and, you know, started teaching it eventually, everybody was talking about Meisner or trying to find a class. So it had somehow come into its own. Um, but what can come with it is an arrogance because you end up having these explosive experiences in class, either quietly explosive or they're so full that you think that's the way to work. And it's like, no, 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 that's the way to work for you. Um, you know, I, I gave Tamara Braun on General Hospital a hard time um, because she was an actor who chose her moments. And I was pretty arrogant about it. I've, I've luckily been able to look her in the eye and apologize for it um, because the reality is she was awesome. And then I was too. But yeah. there was some part of me that felt like my way of working was better. And I wish I could look at my 28 year old self and go, brother, it's better for you walk yeah. away and just do awesome work with Tamara. And uh, ironically, she left the show to go do other things. And then when I got fired, uh, but then I sort of cleaned myself up. I worked with her on a cold case. And of all the actors in the world, we got cast as the lovers who could possibly break up my marriage uh, with ironically a Canadian actor. We were both playing Tennessee people and it, it worked out. And uh, the point is, is that Again, when I watched that episode, like we actually had wonderful chemistry. We didn't necessarily get along, and I actually take responsibility for that because of a youthful sort of, this is the right way. The flip side, and it's funny because when I talk to, oh, fuck, there was a quote about this somewhere. But I always tell young actors when I'm coaching them, I'm like, look, be full and shitty instead of right and small. You know, if you come in and you're angry or you're bursting at the seams, we'll do something with that. We will make that fucking awesome. If you come in and you don't have perspective and you don't have a fire or a juice or a need, uh, I'm not sure what we're going to do. I'm not sure what I'm watching, you know. And so that's the one thing is that, A, I've been lucky enough to look like, let's say, Tamara in the eye and go, look, I'm so sorry about that. You're fucking great. You were great. but I also stand behind the fact that I cared so much and believed so fully in that thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's, you're right. Uh, and I've, I've gone to, uh, to teachers who are very highly regarded and they're talking about how to break down script and how to find those beats and how, you know, you really need to, you know, decide of what your shtick is. And that's the only thing that works. And I just want to throw up because yeah. it's completely uh, counterintuitive to me because I want to be in that character. And then, you know, uh, every take is going to be different because I'm going to feel different in that take. And that's the type of actor that I am. But uh, it just, you know, that person doesn't work for me. I go work with somebody else. Yeah. 
I hear that. That's yeah. what I did. So uh, to wrap things up, and again, this this has been a lot of fun for me, and I know we yeah, could talk for all of Um What advice would, uh, you've mentioned this, but what advice would you give to yourself, uh, the younger version of you, uh, from your you know vantage point of a 46-year-old heading on through it? You know, I, I have talked enough about other things. Um, first off, that guy wouldn't listen. So the advice would be like, and I actually don't, like to give advice unless it's asked for because mm -hmm. i truly believe that unsolicited advice is criticism and mm -hmm. uh so if somebody doesn't ask me and that young kid would not maybe he would ask this guy um but that young kid would have thought this guy didn't make it and might have ignored his shit and he wouldn't have known to look for the calm because that guy wasn't interested in that that said i think the big thing at every moment is just chill the fuck out because it's all gonna work you know mm -hmm. and i was actually talking to a friend about this the other day like when i was five and things were tough in my household you couldn't have told me that at age 15 i was going to be like in a rock band and like i was going to you know have a bunch of friends at summer camp and know how to sail and like do backflips and 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 but 15, there was some rough stuff, but there was no way to tell that kid, dude, at 25, you're gonna be shooting lead on a TV series, like, but you got a bit of a drug thing, but by 35, you're gonna be sober. And then, oh wait, but by 35, your career's in the tank right now, but there's no way to tell that guy, you're gonna own properties in Toronto and you're gonna be on major TV shows and who knows what it's gonna look like, but you're gonna have love and you're gonna, you know? So when I get down on myself now, I just try and remember like, dude, in 10 years, you're gonna look back at this and go, hey man, what was all the stress about? The goals and the drive is beautiful. Why not make a new film? Why not write a new script? And why not uh, keep motivated? Cause I'm really internally big on that. Like there's no reason I'm gonna to go to the basement and do squats tonight, other than the fact that I love that shit, man. And it's another day to do it. And the one thing I know, and when you asked about regret, the regret isn't for what I did as much as the time I wasted. You know, the regret is that from 25 to 32, I was pretty much giving up. Like when an ex-girlfriend of mine, a wonderful person, Laura Harris, I, she, you probably know her from some stuff. She, um, she used to call it the actor's passport. And, you know, I kind of blew the actor's passport. Yeah, it got me into the club and it made me cool enough for like 10 minutes to like, I don't know, do a line with whoever. but. That's cool once. That's not cool for fucking seven years, man. That time I could have been traveling, could have been interviewing interesting people or whatever, you know, because they're they're like, oh, you're acting, come, you know, you, you do get a passport. Um, so in any case, uh, the advice to that young guy would be like, your potential is unlimited, but your time is finite. I'm gonna write that down. Very cool. Yeah. I love it. Thanks, Sean. Um, go watch. <laughs> go, well, as you're doing squats, go watch. Uh, go watch. Uh, oh, my Dirty God. Run. No, Dirty I, Run? Is that what you said? Dirty Run Scoundrels. Thank you. Dirty yeah. Run Scoundrels. Go watch By it. Way, I, I'm not... Um... I'm not trying to pitch this for your for your viewers, although you might enjoy it, but um, I actually host a karate show. It's not quite a karate show, but it's called Punch, Kick, Choke, Chat. And okay. me and three of my teachers, the 74-year-old 10th Dan, 
the 60-year-old swordmaster, who's the first Caucasian, I shit you not, he went in 1988 to Japan, and he's the first mm -hmm. Caucasian to win the Japanese sword championships four years in a row. He's also a judo champ, and then my teacher is a multiple-time world champ. The point is, is that um, we host this thing called Punch Kick Choke Chat, so almost every Thursday, we get a master in, and we'll just interview them almost the way you've done me. Um, awesome. So you can check this out on YouTube, but you may yeah. dig some of it, and um, it might stimulate a bit of your vibe. We're mostly focused on karate, although we've had Aikido masters on. I don't know if you've read Angry White Pajamas. We had Bob Mustard on, who's one of the like the guys. Have you read the book? I have not, but I oh, know okay. it. You probably love the book. It'll make you go uh, rededicate yourself. But anyways, I could go on and on, but the point is, is that it's um, it's a really fun and varied way for us mm -hmm. to get a sort of living history of a lot of these masters. Um, you might dig it. I absolutely will dig it. Um, I, I will find it, and we're going to put it right below the video so everybody okay. else can dig yeah. it as well. Uh, you being the martial arts fan, I, I don't know, again, uh, not pitching other shows, but yeah. you know, a guy that I think you'll know. Do you know Scott Atkins? No. Scott Atkins? Uh, Scott Atkins. Uh, he's a martial arts, uh, I'm going to call him a superstar. I think he is. Okay. Uh, he's been in the business for, for a while, so cool. he... Uh, he's done a ton of really good martial arts films. So what he did, and Scott, if you're watching this, thanks for taking my idea and running with it and doing it better. So he has his Art of Action uh, interview series where he interviewed every freaking person that I love in the martial oh, arts that's film. That's awesome. Good for him. 80s, and they're great. So I keep watching that. Love and, it. Uh, you know, trying to trying to talk to the same people. Anyway, so we're gonna we're gonna have yours. I'm gonna add that to my list. Yeah, cool, well. cool. You can you can check it on YouTube, and, and again, you dig it or you won't, but uh, you, you'll get a, a good sense of it right out of the gate. Perfect. I absolutely will. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. Uh, nice, uh, nice to get to chat with you, and uh, stay in touch. Let me know how things go. That's awesome. Thanks, Alan. Real pleasure. And see everybody. Thanks, and thanks everybody for uh, tuning in. It's another episode of the Love of Acting. You know we're passionate about acting, martial arts, and everything that's in between. So thanks for doing it with us. Appreciate it. Cheers.